Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the values of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Emily Hansen. And I'm Natasha Mezzo, and we are glad to have you with us as we continue our discussion on specialty crops. Today, we're joined by Michael Carlson, the research manager at Greenkeeper. Michael did his PhD at UNL working with precision turf grass management. With that, let's jump into this episode with Michael. Yeah. So, uh, hi everyone. I'm Dr. Michael Carlson. I'm a research, well, and the research manager at Greenkeeper app. Uh, we're based here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, but so the quick synopsis of who I am, I originally grew up, uh, in the Des Moines area, uh, literally in the backyard of what was then Pioneer Hybrid or now Corteva's headquarters in Johnston. Um, so that's sort of how I got interested in row crops, uh, before I got into the turf industry. Um, but so worked there for a few summers, like everybody does in central Iowa, usually either you're pollinating or detasseling corn. It's a pretty common uh, job to do. I had a parent that worked there, so I then worked for a regulatory lab doing some more tissue sampling, corn root sampling, uh, washing a lot of stuff, basically anything you would expect like an 18-year-old to do in like a regular lab. Not the most exciting, but it was sort of fun to be able to get outside, do some work, and feel like you're actually doing stuff. Uh, better than my job is like being a, a grocery bagger, so it was, it was a bit more exciting, and I got paid better. Um, but then I uh, moved to South Dakota to earn my bachelor's at South Dakota State in agronomy. Um, so there I interned for a number of companies, realized I wanted to go to graduate school, but I didn't know if I wanted to go right away. So then I was like, okay, I'll give my hand at sales. So I worked for, it was then Dow Chemical, now Corteva based in, I was a sales trainee. So I worked in Southern Minnesota and Wisconsin, uh, assisting with, I think it was like, nine or 11 different sales reps. Um, that was fun, but uh, doing chemical sales, I was like, I, it's just not, not for me. And I was like, I should have just gone to graduate school. So I'm like, okay, I know I can always go back. And I really enjoyed weed science at the time. Um, that's why I enjoyed sort of doing the ag chemical sales because still one of those where you can put out a study, you can apply a herbicide and you can see what's going on sort of almost immediately that nice instant gratification. So then I um, went back, earned my master's with Dr. Sharon Clay at South Dakota State uh, doing an organic weed control project. Um, while I was there, it was fun. Um, used sort of a, basically like a, it was a, wasn't necessarily a prototype, but it was a, um, a well, the system is called air propelled abrasive grip management. Um, so it was basically using a sandblaster to control weeds within the row and also my project was seen. So can we also fertilize at the same time in an organic corn and soybean system? Um, it was fun, but it was a lot of work. And, but really what I realized is, you know, I enjoyed weed science, but that lab did a lot of precision agriculture, digital ag type work. And I was like, okay, I'll take some classes in this. My advisors and my committee were like, yeah, this is good. If you're going to do anything more in ag, you should probably move in that pathway anyways. Um, 
And so uh, after that, after I earned my degree, I was looking around for jobs uh, and I found a job here or what, when I was at the time at the University of Nebraska working for Dr. Bill Kreuzer when he was still at the university. Um, so I started there not knowing anything about turf grass other than I used to mow my neighbor's yard in my parents' yard and made a lot of money from it, which was fun because my neighbor was a big golfer. Um, and so he was like, I can teach you all about managing grass because you have all the agronomic background and a lot of that's pretty similar. So I'm like, okay, like I'll do that. And I told him like, no, eventually I want to earn my PhD. I wanted to be something in like precision ag. I was like never thinking in the golf industry, but I'm like, okay, talking with my previous boss, I'm like, I could be another precision ag person or digital ag person in row crops, sort of be a dime a dozen. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot of people that do that research. And I was like, okay, you know, I could go in the turf industry, golf industry, and really be one of the, just a small handful of people that are doing that work. Um, so that was, you know, sort of how I got into, that's really how I got into the golf industry. You know, one of those never thought that that's where I'd be because I'm, I'm a terrible golfer. I enjoy watching it and, um, but didn't really understand a lot of the science or agronomy behind it. Um, but so that was fun. I, uh, so worked for Bill for the three years he was here at the university uh, and then earned my PhD the year after he left uh, under the advisement of uh, Bill, as well as Dr. Layla Plantel, both in agronomy and horticulture. And my dissertation work was uh, I developed a novel method to variable rate applied nitrogen fertilizer on golf course fairways. So using a crop sensor that you use in row crops uh, by Holland Scientific, a, a crop scan or ACS-435. Um, so that one, they use it in row crops, a lot of work from like Dr. Layla Puntel and many other researchers, especially here in Nebraska, that developed methods to variable rate apply fertilizer on corn. And there's some work going on that now in wheat. Um, and so I had the opportunity to try and figure out how to measure, uh, how much nitrogen we need in creeping bent grass fairways. That's a really common grass in golf course systems, especially here in the Midwest. Um, but the hard part there was trying to figure out a lot of rather than looking at like yield or how much grass we're growing we don't want the max yield of the grass we want like a sort of a general range or uh like usually when you're looking at yield in corn you're like okay you know we don't want max yield we want maximum economic yield and we can figure it out based off of soil sampling um, our yield monitors and you know can't put in weather but a lot of other factors we can sort of figure that out in golf course systems, we don't have that intensive data because um, like you have the highest input on golf courses are labor, water, and then fertilizer. And so labor is the vast majority of it. Uh, water, I wasn't really looking at that, but I was more looking at nitrogen fertilizer. And we don't have the same type of methods to really quantify how much uh, nitrogen we have on there unless you're going out there and you know sampling all the time. But then you can interrupt play and depending on the type of course that you're at, you really don't want to interrupt play too much. Um, so the idea there was we put a sensor on the back of a mower. So as we're mowing across it, we're collecting reflectance data off of there and then um, developed, figured out a way to figure out, you know, what is the ideal range of values that we can get in within like an ideal growth rate that also relates to visual quality and playability. Because um, those are, you know, how the grass looks and how the grass plays is vastly more important. And we know that the growth rate also relates to uh, visual quality and playability. Um, so what kind of got you interested in 
turf grass research? Yeah. So as I said a little bit earlier, um, I, you know, sort of fell into it, but the biggest thing that I found interesting when talking with, well, now my, my current boss or has been my boss the last five years, uh, Bill Kreuzer, when he was at the university, he's sort of like, you know, you could do some really innovative work with, uh, precision work in the golf and turf industry. Um, and so my thinking was, okay, maybe I could be a little bit different. You know, this could be fun. It's a fun new system to work in. And I thought at the time, I'm like, I've already done, you know, I worked in like conventional row crops. And then I did organic weed control, which was like, I didn't think it was going to be that different. But really, if you're going from a conventional system where you're applying pre-emergent herbicides, and then maybe a post-emergent, depending on what your system is, to go into organic management, it's a whole different way of thinking and managing your crops. I was like, okay, if I could handle that and survive my master's degree, um, I was like, I think I could, you know, I could definitely pick up and learn more about golf industry and the turf turf management. And I'm like, I think I could actually do some really fun work here. Um, and I'm very glad I did it. Um, it's a fun industry to be a part of. Um, but it still sort of reminds me of ag at some, but it, at some points I enjoy it a little bit better, especially when it's this time of year and I can wear shorts when I'm at work and not get my legs cut up by walking through corn or soybean fields. <laughs> oh, this is cool. And can you tell us a little bit some, uh, digital tools that can be used in a turf grass field? So you know, we have a few with Greenkeeper, especially with some of the models that we have. Um, you know, we don't have quite the like crop modeling um, type tools that are in ag. Um, those just haven't been developed. You know, we're missing a lot of the decades of research on biological models and turf grass. It's not that they aren't there. They just haven't been focused on developing into like usable digital tools. Um but there has been some more recent work using, I guess the biggest thing in turf is probably we're far more efficient at using irrigation than row crops. Um, especially if you're looking in the Southwest, it's like, we still use a lot of water, but they've had, they've had continuously having water reductions in the amount that they can get from their water allotments in like Arizona or South Southern California, basically anywhere in the des desert Southwest. Um, so there has been a lot of work done, um, especially by a colleague, Dr. Chase Straw out at Texas A&M. He's done a lot of work at um, precision irrigation management. Uh, he developed um, just a general tool on if a superintendent wants to download the best program in the world, QGIS, and they can locate all of their irrigation heads. They can make irrigation management zones. Um, but so far, and like being able to take that and like gather like sensor data and then um, pump that right into your irrigation management or your irrigation heads. That work hasn't, the hardware and software isn't there yet. So that's sort of the issues we have in the turf industry. And that's sort of what uh, we're working at Greenkeeper to try and change. Um, and then, so probably the biggest uh, digital tools that we have with Greenkeeper specifically are some of the models that we have with plant growth regulators, models that we've, uh, adopted into our system from universities about, uh, so like the Smith Kearns dollar spot model, that's a disease that's really prominent this time of year in all over different places that affects the visual quality and the playability of the grass, as well as other disease models, um, organic matter management models. So that's, it's not like true digital ag in the sense of you can put all of your inputs in there and sort of more tailor your outputs, but 
getting to the point where we can have more forecasted models and actually help people figure out, okay, I've applied a fungicide for dollar spot right now, and it's going to last me for, you know, 14 to 21 days. And I can look at the pressure there in our app and the models in there that have been um, universally tested and published and they do work um, that we can go back through and then suggest another, uh, a different mode of fungicide in there to help them keep the rotation and, you know, not build any more resistance. Um, and then some of the work that is, you know, there's some work at like uh, research levels and then some with some other, um, uh, I'm trying to think like companies, there, uh, there is more work going on on using sensors and um, taking precision mapping work out there. Like some of the work that I did in my dissertation that we're uh, working to develop into a product um, where you can actually go out and use sensor data um, or like drone data and then make management decisions off of that. Um, so like mine was all on uh, variable rate nitrogen work. Um, oh, there's a lab out at uh, Virginia Tech doing work where they're taking drone imagery. He's developed a Python code so they can take the imagery, figure out where there's this disease called spring dead spot. Um, they can go in the fall and spray on those specific areas and then manage for it in the spring and not have to go out and spray it once they see it. They do a lot of precision uh, disease work, um, which diseases are a big issue in golf courses, especially with like visual aspects in the general growth. Um, so when I said you're talking about like the three big inputs, labor, water, uh, fertilizer, the next biggest thing is pesticides. And the biggest one in there is fungicides. And um, it's a lot of the same active ingredients as in ag, but they're usually um, they're more expensive because the formulations have to be more safe because you're often spraying and then people are going to come golfing after you spray. Um, and so they're not fun. If you know what like a DMI fungicide is, uh, they're not like fun. They're really thick, gooey. They're not like great formulations, but that's how they can get it. So they can get the safety in there. And then because it's a smaller acreage crop, uh, cause it's sort of considered like a specialty crop in comparison, sort of like sunflowers, peas, other things like that. You don't get like the cutting edge fungicides a lot of the time. So um, trying to, and then you're spraying fungicides so much more. So their precision disease work is really, really cool. Yeah, and this is nice to know about, as you mentioned about the pesticides, because actually I didn't think that how important it is like yeah. to be careful about that, because that is true. After you apply, you people will go there. So yeah. yeah. I know for some of the fields that I've worked in, it's 24, 48 hour REI. So I'm assuming it'd have to be probably hour, two hours. Nope. So, okay. so when I was at the university, we used to do the pesticide recertification lab for mm -hmm. the turf one. And for most, unless it's most labels in the turf industry, say mm -hmm. once it's dry, you can go back out on the field again. So um that it's, could be pretty quick though. yep yeah yeah and you in turf systems you spray at a really high volume because you want to get um the pesticide into the canopy and so you need a lot smaller droplets to get okay. in there yeah it's there's a lot of like intricacies that are a little bit everything's pretty much the same but it's just a little bit different because you're managing for a perennial crop rather than uh you know brand new crop so like um, if we just talk about like fertilizer in general with, uh, turf systems, you pretty much, 
you're barely ever going to need to apply phosphorus or potassium outside of when you're seeding, especially like a cool season grass. So like creeping bent grass or like your Kentucky bluegrass here, if you're growing it in your yard, um, because oftentimes like the amount of phosphorus and potassium that that uh, grass needs, it's like you have to basically have never applied any phosphorus or potassium and literally mine the soil for you to get any sort of response out of it, like a stress response. But what is cool is when you do have it, you still get like the classic purple coloring on the grass, which is fun. I was like, I've seen it in corn, you know, when it when I used to live in South Dakota, when it was like cold early in the season and it the roots hadn't grown enough to capture. So you can see it in corn, especially in the upper Midwest when it's cool in the spring and it usually grows out of it after the corn has started to grow and it reaches more into the soil and you've applied for phosphorus and potassium. But in turf systems, you just don't, it's often the soil systems have enough because it's just not using as much. But nitrogen is really, other than water in air and like air temperature, that's one of the big drivers for growth. Um, so that's why I was, so when I started my PhD, I was talking with Bill, I'm like, why am I not like coming from the row crops? I'm like, why am I only focusing on nitrogen, mm -hmm. not anything else? And then he's like, you need to read some more papers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's fun work. I mean, the turf world is yeah it's a little different but they're really superintendents are really fun to work with um they're usually really innovative so i found that sometimes you get a lot of farmers where it's like i'm gonna do this because this is what my dad has done um and you just you don't have quite that like familial legacy because people superintendents it's not like they grew up on that course and that's where they work and that's the only place their families ever worked you do get some of that in like the northeast with some of these big storied courses but superintendents you know like some of the really great courses here in nebraska their superintendents are like from michigan they went to school in michigan or other states and then they'll they'll move around but they're really innovative and they do a lot of interesting work and they're usually really interested in trying new things um so that part's that part's fun. It's like you get to work with you still have like the range of like adopters on like digital agri. You have some people that want to jump right in right away and you're gonna have those like holdouts that they're like, I am gonna wait until I know exactly everything. So, you know, that's not anything too different, but um it's fun. It's fun work. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Greenkeeper and kind of how Greenkeeper got started? <laughs> yeah. So, um, as I said, the research manager for Greenkeeper, so I manage all the research and developments. Uh, it was founded by my boss, Bill Kreuzer, and then also his former master's advisor, uh, Dr. Doug Soldat, uh, out of, he's at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, Bill started it while he was here, still at the university, sort of as a um, extension program originally. Um, so his if you look up Bill Kreuzer, sort of find he's sort of the PGR guy, so plant growth regulators. Um, and before I dive too deep in what the models are, I should probably talk about what PGRs and plant growth regulators are in that are used in the turf industry and especially in the golf industry. Because coming from ag, when I hear plant growth regulators, I usually thought snake oil, um, and they're not. So they are uh, registered pesticides. Um, and what they do in ag and especially some in like Florida culture is they suppress growth. And so we use them in the golf industry to manage um, an ideal type of growth, get a specific look on the course and also playability, the density of that. And especially like this week here in Nebraska, 
uh, well over the, probably the last two weeks, what we've probably gotten here in Lincoln, seven inches of rain at least. And so when you have that, you're going to get a lot of growth out of your grass. It's going to grow, 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 because it has all that water. And we've been so dry, like we're still watering on the greens or fairways, um, greens and fairways, but, you know, we're not watering a lot to make it grow too fast. Um, so we've had to apply like an additional PGR application um, to suppress that growth because we're trying to make sure that it's a consistent growth over the whole season. Um, so that's sort of like the weird part about turf and golf, especially is you don't want too much growth, but you don't want too little. And so you're trying to sort of always manage that growth and PGRs are a big part of that. And so historically, so this is a lot of what Bill did in his master's work. Um, historically, golf courses would apply PGRs every 14 days. That's just what the label said. Um, but as we know, weather changes and it's you're not going to have 80 degree highs, 60 degree lows for 14 days, especially here in the Midwest or in most places. Um, and so with that, when plants, they literally grow through and this works with other fungicides, even in row crops or herbicides. Um, when you apply it on there, that plant is literally going through and it's growing out and burning through that PGR. And um, I could go more in the science, but don't ask me too many questions. I'm not a physiologist. I'm a precision ag guy. Um, but so it's it sort of stops the growth in certain physiological pathways in the grass. Um, and so if you're going and you're reapplying every 14 days, some things that happen is um, you can start stacking the PGR. So you're adding more and more PGR and your plant isn't always necessarily running through that and burning it off. And so you can apply so much that you stop the growth. So Bill, when he was a master student, he's like, hmm, you know, maybe there's another way to do this. Let's just like look at whether maybe growing degree days might be a good way to understand when to reapply. So that's sort of how Greenkeeper got started is Bill's master's work. He develops the first models on how to uh, understand how much suppression you can get from a different rates of applying PGRs as well as how long that suppression will last and when you need to reapply. So um, that first started out as basically just like an extension tool for um, superintendents here in the state of Nebraska. And then while Bill was at the university, he was like, okay, you know, I can actually probably make this a company. Um, so he started developing, uh, you know, doing more work on different PGRs, not just like one class of them. There's a couple different classes of PGRs, like herbicides. Um, and so then after he left the university in 2021, he started working on that full time. Um, I joined him after I finished my PhD uh, last spring in 2022. Um, and so now we're currently, so we have more than just our PGR models. That's sort of like our flagship product when I talk with superintendents. Um, we also have uh, integrated disease models that I talked about. Uh, one of our newer models that we've added in is organic matter management. Um, that's a really big issue or not issue but it's a big thing in golf um there is such a thing as too much organic matter <laughs> which coming from the great plains in row crops you're like there's no such thing what do you mean we need more organic matter but so when you're uh on a golf course especially on like a golf course green um they mow every day because the grass is growing so so fast and you have you don't want to wait too long to mow because you'll scrap you'll scalp the grass. Like I'm sure if you've ever been mowing and you waited too long and you didn't raise your mowing height on your yard, you went to mow again and you just see it's just like yellow and it looks terrible for a while. So you obviously don't want to do that on a 
a golf course green, especially if you had a nice course that doesn't look great, but then also you can have all sorts of, it creates really, you know, every time you're mowing, you're creating open wounds for diseases. And if you scalp it, you're really damaging the grass. Um, and so that's why they mow so often. But when you're mowing that often, that grass is growing more. And so because of that, you're adding so much more organic matter and tissue into the soil system that then you can have too much organic matter, which can lead to some issues called localized dry spot, or you don't have even water movement through the soil and water retention. Um, so that's sort of one of the newer models that we're um, trying to continue to fine tune because organic matter management is a really big uh, issue and problem on uh, golf course greens. Um, and then, so then the other thing, I, you had a question about a uh, program builder. So that's sort of another new product where more managing the overall, uh, your program, your like agronomic program. So any cultivations for managing your organic matter, um, as well as putting in, if there's any events going on at the golf course. So I know I look at it all the time when I'm doing research out there. So I know when I should be at the course and when I shouldn't, because sometimes if there's a tournament going on and I have research I need to do, I can move my time around and get different applications done, as well as um, any fungicide applications, pesticide applications. You can plan those in the future or the past. Um, and so, and then the other big thing, like inventory, um, that's a big one, you know, just trying to keep track of all that information in there, what pesticides or products you're using as well as a good audit function. So if you're looking at what all the products that you've used over the course of the year, um, because as I said, so we're in the golf system, we're reapplying and applying products continuously throughout the year. Um, it's a little different than like row crops, more similar to especially crops where they're having to go out and rotate pesticides and make sure and like keep track of all the products that they're using. So that's uh, inventory and product use uh, portion of program builders really helpful on that. Um, but it just really helps with superintendents if they're going at the end of the year, they have to go to their board if they're like a private course or, or private club, and they have to say, okay, this is all what we did. Um, these are all the products that we use. This is how much I can know from, you know, if we ordered it through Greenkeeper, we have the, uh, you know, our statements in there, you know, we can go back through to our board and say, you know, this is how much we had to spend on our pesticides or products. Um, and so it just makes it a little bit easier to keep track of that because otherwise, you know, some people are going out and spraying every two weeks for different products. And that can be a lot to keep track of if you're just doing it by hand. Mm -hmm. I have a hard enough time with my own research stuff to keep track of that. So I put my stuff in Greenkeeper as well. Yeah, but I like this idea that you can have a historical about all the management and everything that you did because it's a lot of things. So to have this in mind, it's yeah. good to have a place that you can organize those things. Yeah. 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 It's, I am still like coming from, I guess the biggest thing when I think about coming from the ag world, going into the turf world is it's probably the same um, total quantity of work, but in like ag, it's, you know, hurry up, do it quickly. And then you have a little bit of a break and then you have, and especially if you're in like the ag research world, it's, you know, still you have planting, you have to try and get everything done when you really want to get it in. And then you have to get your herbicide, fungicide, insecticide applications in at certain windows. And then I know when I was doing re weed science research, it's like we really, after the plant got to canopy, there really wasn't how much, a lot we could do until we got to like peak growth. Uh, and then I'd have to go back out and collect samples again, which was always a nightmare because it was like 
the beginning of August, hot, humid, even if it was like gale force winds outside, there's no wind inside of like a 15 foot tall cord field. No, there never is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then in the turf world, it's you don't have quite the hurry up and wait type of work. It's much more consistent, like mowing always has to happen. Like greens are mowed every day, fairways and tees are usually mowed every other day. Sometimes at the beginning or end of the season, that uh, every other day on that type of mowing, maybe every couple of days, just depending on how fast or slow the grass is growing. But then usually people apply fertilizer about every two weeks. Um, there are like fungicides. It depends on the program. It might be every two weeks, every month. So there's a lot more consistency in the labor there. So that's where like even just kind of keep track of all those applications. That's really where program builder is really helpful with. And plus it ties in if you're making. So when you like go to make uh, application reports uh, or even for like PGRs, if you're going to go put in a PGR on your turf and you want to put it in Greenkeeper and you're applying with other products as well. Um, the nice part there is it'll, you know, print out just like a really easily read. We've done a lot of work with our developers on how to make like an easily read like sprayer sheet. So you can give it to the applicator when they're going out there and they can then know, okay, I need these five different, I need this fungicide, this PGR, uh, maybe this, uh, you know, adjuvant or anything else in there so they can get all those in there correctly get the right amount get how many tanks that they need and then also gives you a second form for like you know your regulatory paperwork with the state um, that we've done a lot of work on and gotten a lot of feedback on which has been really great and can you tell us uh, what was the biggest challenge developing greenkeeper or developing oh boy. all those tools oh um this would be a good question for Bill, but I would imagine it's just trying to, I mean, because we're still continuously improving our products um, as well as trying to develop new products. And I think one of the biggest um, challenges just for my time over the probably about the last year and a half of working with Greenkeeper that I see is, you know, just trying to devote the time we need for research and development to improve our models or develop new products. And then also being able to, um, I, one thing that I really enjoy with working with Bill and at Greenkeeper is we really try, we really do listen to our superintendents, uh, either our customers or people that are interested in the product and trying to continuously improve the product so that, you know, we may have a good idea of what's going on and how this product will work, but, you know, um, we're not always out there using it in the same way that maybe a superintendent in like New York or California or Florida are using it. It's like, we still use it when we're at the course. Bill um, helps manage a course here in Lincoln where we do our research at. And so he is using it like a superintendent, but there are some things that, you know, you just can't, you just don't think about if you're not the one develop, you know, if you're just a user. Um, so I think probably one of the biggest um, issues, I think that not an issue, but something that's been challenging is just how to continuously keep developing it and getting that feedback and then figuring out how to make it work. And then we sit in a meeting with our developers every week. And a lot of the time I'm like, I think they just do magic. Um, Cause I, I did all the code in developing my precision nitrogen thing. And it took me like a month. And I know for them, it would take them like, you know, like a day or something. They're like, Oh, this is simple. I could do this. But I'm like, and now I see like what they're doing on the back end of our website and the front end. And I'm like, it's, just, I, I was like, it takes a different type of thinking to be able to do that. And I'm glad that there's developers that do that. But man, I mean, so for me, I think that's 
probably one of the things is just trying to continuously, you know, keep improving the products and make sure that it works for the superintendents. And I think at Greenkeeper, we do a really good job with that. And Bill does a really good job at listening to our customers, um, trying to figure that out. And then developing new models. It's like, as you guys know, that always, it takes a lot of time to just collect the data. And then what takes even more time is really sifting through it and really trying to understand the data. I was like, it took me multiple years to get to the point of my, you know, defend my dissertation. And we still have questions on some of my data there, not like integrity questions, but just like, how do we make this model work? That's sort of, um, there's not much else to look at in the golf industry on variable rate nitrogen work, um, especially on fairways. So it's sort of, you know, just trying to figure it out and then, you know, where can we go from there and uh, keep learning from it? That's sort of one of the, I think that's one of the more difficult <laughs> aspects of it, I think. Yeah. So I was looking at the Greenkeeper website and I saw the Greenkeeper University tab. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how turfgrass professionals can use uh, that resource? Yeah, so Greenkeeper University has been around for at least the last three or four years. Um, sort of a good alternative for, uh, you know, working turfgrass professionals. A lot of our classes are geared more towards uh, the golf industry because that's what our Greenkeeper app is mostly used by. But we do have like an intro class for people that are getting into more of like sports, lawn care, um, um, baseball fields, football fields, soccer fields, that type of work, uh, like an intro class in there. Um, but then the real, uh, so this is another thing in like the turf industry is it is small and there's, you know, not that many turf grass professors in the country or the world. So they are the extension aspect of it. A lot of people in the golf and turf industry really know the different name. If you say like a professor's name, they'll probably know who they are and they know the type of work that they do. So the nice part about GKU or golf or Greenkeeper University is it gives these students an opportunity to learn from these professors, whether it's like Ben McGraw at a Penn State doing an insect class, Paul Koch out of the University of Wisconsin doing a disease course, uh, Doug Soldat, one of our founders, he teaches a few courses in soils and uh, soil systems. Bill and I teach a course on precision turf grass management. Um, then he also teaches a course about PGRs uh, and then a weather course as well. So it gives uh, superintendents or anybody in the turf industry or in golf industry a way to be able to uh, learn from recorded lectures that we have. So it's sort of like a distance learning approach. Um, and then we have currently we still have live discussions once a week. So our GKU uh, occurs usually from January through March. It's sort of the slowest period, especially up here, uh, so that superintendents aren't they're not out there unless if you're in like you know the Sun Belt where there's still a lot of grass growing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's like a distance learning program. Uh, and so the way that we have it worked out is if you earn like 18 credits, you can get a certificate. Um, and so a lot of people can use it for like continuing education courses, uh, that type of stuff, or if they're really interested in, you know, like maybe they've been a superintendent a long time, they got a turf degree, but it's, you know, it's been a while since maybe they've taken like a disease course or a new irrigation course. And they've maybe heard like Doug sold at, or no, um, Doug talk about some soils work at different conferences that he's been to. Um, but they want, you know, they want more than just like an hour long talk, you know, they want, um, 
you know, like a couple hours worth of content. Um, so that's GKU really provides a good way for turfgrass professionals to get real, you know, accurate, up-to-date information from, uh, you know, working university professors and other researchers in the uh, turf industry. So it's fun. I enjoy it, especially in the precision course that I help teach with Bill, um, because there's people that are taking it are really craving the information and they really enjoy being able to interact with the professors. And then I know from my side, it's, I didn't do a lot of teaching in graduate school, but it is fun to be able to interact with students and, you know, they're, they'll ask questions. I'm like, I didn't even think of that, think about that. So I'll write it down. It gives me another idea of doing some work on it. So that part's fun. Um, but yeah, it's great. The GKU keeps growing already more students. I know our next session will be around January. Um, usually if they can look on our website at Greenkeeper University. It's um, interesting that you can have this uh, fast resource. We we talked about, you know, sometimes farmers, uh, they they used to do what they are they they did before. Yep. So in the turf grass uh, field, can you tell us how is this challenge, you know, trying to convince them to use technologies or different ways to manage? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely still a challenge. Like I talked about, you know, there's a different types of adopters, early adopters, sort of the people middle of the road, late adopters. Um, you know, we definitely have a good course of subscribers that we vary all different aspects of that. Um People definitely know Greenkeeper, you can use it to help maintain your PGR applications, disease applications, keep track of inventory. But there are still some people that just don't do that. You know, you still get some people where, you know, I've always done it this way. You know, it still works, you know, makes the Greens Committee happy at the course happy. You know, why should I change anything? Um, and I think one of the things that we do well, um, you know, Bill does a lot of traveling and I get out and do some traveling to different uh, regional meetings or talks with uh, uh, or give talks and talk about Greenkeeper. One thing we do really well is really showing people how to use the software and how easy it, it is to use. Uh, even if they don't want to do any like precision work, they don't want to, you know, use a precision spray or something else. It's like, okay, um, you know, how are you applying PGRs? You know, sort of the way, you know, just not like a general sales approach, like, you know, this is how much it costs. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say, but it's like, you know, how can we make your life easier? And I think that's been, um, you know, it's still a challenge because not every course, you know, every course has a different business model. They have different ways that they manage their grass. And, um, but I think the one beneficial thing about Greenkeeper is a lot of our products really work well with a lot of different um, courses and the ways that people manage uh, their grass. Um, but yeah, for me, whenever I'm doing these types of calls, it's always sort of like, okay, you know, I want to learn more about you, you know, because I remember I was talking with one superintendent, he works on Martha's Vineyard. They're completely organic because that's what their members want. So it's a private course. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I like, honestly, like, we don't really have anything for you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could tell you because it's like, you know, that you have fun problems, but we just don't have solutions for you at the moment for that type of work. Um, but so that's really something that we do well at Greenkeepers really try to understand what our customers need. And then if new customers that are sort of wary about it, it's like, okay, 
um, you know, here we can show you the website. I can figure out, you know, how can this work with your operation in your course? Um, but, you know, if it doesn't, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world, um, but we're here, you know, we'll always be there and try and make it easier for people to um, manage their grass and keep track of what's going on. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so if our listeners wanted to learn more about Greenkeeper, where can they go to find out more information? Yeah, they can go to our website, uh, www.greenkeeperapp.com. Um, that has a good overview. Uh, they could also reach out to either Bill or I, um, either through Twitter or uh, through the website. Um, I think if they go on the website and look up like, uh, like contact that goes to the customer service and that usually Bill or, or CEO look over that as well. Yeah, if people are uh, interested about the website and want to sign up, but they're not sure how to set up their course, um, they can reach out to Bill or I or go through our website and um, we can always uh, help them through setting up their course, you know, getting information imported, um, other things like that. Because it can be sort of overwhelming at first with any new software, um, just trying to figure out how to make it work. But once you know, we can help out with those initial aspects and sort of orientation on the website. And that makes it, you know, much easier and easier to work with. Yeah. Okay. And our last question for today. Um, so we have a tradition here on the Farm Bits podcast, and it's to ask for a piece of advice. So what advice do you have for anyone who's interested in turf grass research? Yeah. So I can, I was thinking about this one, I can sort of break it up into two pieces. So if you're like a turf grass person and like you work on a golf course or you you know loved sports you enjoyed working on uh like sports fields and you went to college for that and you're interested in it i definitely say if you're still in college like you know talk with your turf professor see if you could do a project with them or work in their lab if they have any help with that especially during the school year when you're not doing internships in the summer um you know there's always projects and something really interesting to do on it's the cool thing about most turf researchers is there's a lot of uh, room to be able to develop your own sort of projects and, you know, not just from what your specific grain is, but maybe do some other work there. Um, and then I will say, so coming from the ag side, um, if you have an opportunity to do turf work or go work in the turf industry, I definitely say jump on it. It's a fun industry to work on. Um, it's small. But I really enjoy that because you really do know everybody. I know like sometimes go to like the Tri Societies. I don't know if you guys go to that meeting at all. Um, I, like Layla's lab does. I don't think Joe's. But she also goes to the uh, Precision one as well. But you have like there's thousands of people there. And it can be overwhelming. And then in the the turf, it, the turf researchers all go to that one. And it's it's like such a small group. Everybody knows everybody. Like you all know each other are so especially if you're like a graduate student or you're into research it's like you see everybody there especially at other meetings or the trade show like that part's sort of fun you can really keep track and catch up with a lot of people um and especially if you're interested in like digital ag or precision turf grass management um as i you know wild west isn't like the best term um but it's fun you really can in the turf world there's a lot of opportunity um to really help shape where precision turf grass management is going um, and there's a lot of opportunity to have direct connection with superintendents and really understand and how to make uh, precision turf grass better or more usable, or, you know, make software or other systems that can work for um, superintendents. You know, honestly, 
all, every time I've done research or jumped into a new system, I just sort of jumped in. I'm like, I guess I'll figure it out how how it goes. I think that's probably pretty similar for most people uh, that you're interviewing or talking with, especially if they've gone through graduate school. It's like you just you don't know what you don't know, but you always have an opportunity to learn. You know, yet yeah, go ahead and make make mistakes, especially if you don't know the golf industry. Um, but the fun part about golf is if you make a mistake and it's really bad, you're going to see it right away. <laughs> you don't have to wait till the end of the season to see if you messed up on your yield. You're going to notice it right away. So at the end, you know, I would just say, especially if you're coming from the ag side, um, if you have an opportunity to do it, the golf and turf industry, really welcoming. Um, there's many people I've met in my time in the turf industry that, you know, came in after they finished their PhD didn't know anything about turf and are still in the industry. Like it's a fun group of people in and outside of academia. Um, and they're always looking for new ideas and superintendents really enjoy learning about new research. I think that part, that part really makes it a lot of fun. Thank you very much to Michael for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to see what's going on in the turf grass world. One of my favorite parts of this episode was how similar turf grass management is to corn and soybean management. I also think it was really interesting how many applications can be done on a turf field. I hope you enjoyed that episode and we look forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next season on Farm Beats. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review sections of your favorite podcast platforms. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank you, Nebraska Extension, for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.